The Holy Spirit wants to do something this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What we want to do this morning is be obedient to the movement of the Spirit. As it was spoken this morning that this is not about a sermon, it's not about a message, it's not about what I'm about to say as much as it is about our response. As much as it is about us stepping into something this morning. So let's just sing that one more time. Holy Spirit, and make this your prayer this morning. Let's invite him in. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Come on, church. Come on now. Your glory, God, in what our hearts long for to be overcome. Come on, Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on, Father. Fill this place, Lord Jesus. Come on, Spirit. Come on, Spirit. Come on, Spirit. Come on now. He wants you to feel him today. Come on now, church. Your glory, God, and what our hearts, what our hearts long for. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on and give God a clap offering for that this morning. Lord Jesus, we know that you're here. God, we need your spirit. I just pray that as we jump into opening up your word, that God, we can see you. We can see how it's not about us, but how important each one of us is. It's not about us, but Lord, you ask us to be a part of something. So Holy Spirit, be here in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Ooh, I like that. I like that. See, uh, uh this is week number two for me. And, um, man, Spirit's gonna do something this morning. Amen. Uh, I like being able to <laughs> kind of sing a little bit while she's playing, coming up and, uh, doing that. Cause, you know, uh, being the worship pastor and then kind of transitioning over to, Gonna be the head guy. Scares the crap out of me, but hey, the Lord thinks I'm ready for it, so we about to jump in. That was fun. I like that. And, and guys, the, the spirit is here this morning. He is. And I appreciate Rick kind of saying what he said, um, that it's, it's more about a response than it is anything else. That Sunday morning can be, hey, let's all face one direction and listen to a guy bring the word, um, and then kind of leave here and there is no, it doesn't translate into the rest of our lives. What we want it to, and the only way it's going to do that is through the Holy Spirit. The only way it's going to do that is through God himself um, and through Jesus Christ. But last week, as we jump into this thing, last week um, came from Joshua 14, verses 6 through 15. And basically what I was trying to communicate, what the word was communicate, communicating to us is is one thing that obedience Okay, is the seed to your inheritance. It's one of the seeds that you got to plant in order to have access to the things that the Lord wants to give you. 
Obedience is the seed, one of the seeds to your inheritance. Okay, I made three statements last week. And what's so interesting is in my study of what we're going to look at today, which is Joshua 2. Um, it's kind of hard to see up there, but to kind of backtrack and give you guys an overview, Joshua 14 was um, basically Caleb who was sent into the promised land specifically to check out Jericho um, and come back and give Joshua word of what that land was like. Okay, well, Joshua 2 is the actual story of that. Last week we looked at what happened 40 years af- uh, 45 years after that and how Joshua used the fact that he was obedient fully in what he was asked to do 40 years ago waited patiently 40 years, 45 years, to ask Joshua for his inheritance. We looked at what it looks like to, to approach authority, to ask the correct way. Look at the prodigal son. He just kind of busted the door down. He was like, look, Pop, I need it because I got to go do what I got to do. Well, Caleb gave us a, a snapshot of what it looks like to approach the Lord um, the correct way in asking for your inheritance. Now, Joshua 2 Again, like I said, is the the actual story where Joshua, excuse me, Caleb and his, the guy that was with him step into Jericho and they get um, harbored by this this woman. Now we're going to look at this woman. <laughs> There's so much in this woman's life. Her name is Rahab. Now the story of Rahab. It, this is more. It, this is turning into more of a story about Rahab than it is about Caleb. But the underlying factor of this whole thing is obedience. It's a big one. Obedience is big. We live in a culture now where we kind of tolerate sin. We tolerate or say that it's okay for me to be disobedient in this area to God, but I can be obedient in this other area over here. And then we look at that and, and somehow it's okay. Well, the three statements that I made last week, were, were just that they were statements, but what we're going to see in Joshua 2 is an actual manifestation and an example of each one of those statements playing itself out in someone's life through God, through Scripture. This isn't my opinion. This isn't what I think is cool to talk about on Sunday morning. <laughs> this is Scripture. This is a story about the reality of your obedience affecting not only you, but hey, it affects everyone else around you too. And that's a big statement right there. Let me let me go through these. Let me get back up here and read um, these three statements. And we'll jump in, in, into how they connect into this week. Hope everybody's doing all right out there. Appreciate you coming and supporting a brother. I need prayer all the time. Okay, please do that. So I get myself situated here. All right, so last week I made three statements. The first was, no one can change a man's heart except God. No one can change a man's heart except the Holy Spirit. No one can change a man's heart except Jesus Christ himself. Doesn't matter how much you influence, doesn't matter how much you put time into a person, a place, a thing, specifically a person. <laughs> um, there's nothing you can do to the, the point at which there's that change. That's Christ. That's God. We can influence all we want. We got to be in those people's lives as an influence. But don't spend your time trying to change anybody because Christ is the only one who can do that. The second statement I made 
is that the rain means nothing unless you've planted a seed. The rain means nothing unless you've planted a seed. You can, again, spend so much time trying to uh, do certain things that you think are what's necessary in order for something to grow. But in the beginning, let, let me say this, at the basis of that statement, there has to be a relationship that you have with Christ that he, he tells you when to plant, how to plant, where to plant. There's a uh, an aspect of your relationship with Christ going deeper becoming more intimate to get the reality of, of of what that statement means. That doesn't mean we just go plant seeds for the sake of planting. That's what I'm getting at. You got to let the Lord tell you what to plant, but you can't not plant. Ladies and gentlemen, please continue to plant whatever you're doing. And then the last statement was the title of the message last week, obedience, the seed to your inheritance. Again, we see a, an example of each one of these statements in Joshua 2, the whole chapter, 1 through 24, but specifically in the life of Rahab. Now, here's the statement for today. If you leave here with one thing, after all of what I get done talking about, I want you to leave with this statement. That your obedience affects more than just you. Your obedience reaches and touches more than you give. Um, I don't want to say. I don't want to say it different. I'm just gonna stick to the first one. Your obedience affects more than just you. If you understand that, it causes you to realize and to step into a, a deeper aspect of what it means to be obedient. Now I'm using this word obedience, obedience and. It's like, oh my goodness, Pastor Square is up there saying we just got to obey. We just got to be obedient, and it's this checklist of things that I got to do. And no, don't go there with it. It's not what it is. Obedience is one thing. It's yielding. That's it. Because obedience and yielding means that there's no Pastor Square's plan after that. It's I'm going to be obedient, and when the Lord tells me to do something, I'm simply just going to do it. I'm not going to have a plan B, or this is the way that I'm supposed to uh, go about being obedient. One thing we'll touch on when I when we get further into this thing is that your obedience, and this is something that was spoken to me earlier in the week by uh, Jerry. Love it. Uh, you guys need to get a piece of Jerry. You don't get to be where he's at um, being stupid. <laughs> he knows some stuff. He knows a lot of stuff. But your obedience even requires Christ in the middle of it. It's not Lord is asking the Lord is asking you to be obedient and then you go off and it's like, okay, Lord, you sit right there. I'm gonna come over here and I'm gonna work on this obedience, but I don't need you in it. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> your obedience requires Christ to be in the middle of it. He's gotta help you be obedient. That's the whole thing. You guys catching that? You trucking with the brother this morning? Can I get, oh yeah, I like that. Amen. Can I get another one of those? Amen. Amen. Come on now. Gotta, gotta talk to me. Gotta talk to brother. Alright. So that statement, your obedience affects more than just you. It's not about you, but let me say this. That every piece of the puzzle is important. Your obedience is important. Your getting your inheritance is important to the pot. Guys, catch that? It's important to the whole thing. So your individual obedience mixed in with 
uh, how that affects everyone corporately, man, that's 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 a picture that we have to get. And the reason why I say we have to get that is because I believe we're in a place now where, guys, Eosis has been obedient fully in what the Lord has asked her to do. And I want our inheritance. I hope you want her inheritance for her. Now, what I'm saying is that your inheritance on an individual level is so unbelievably important to our inheritance. Because the church is not brick and mortar. It's people. It's you sitting in those seats. So I hope that statement makes more sense when I say that, that it's the church. It's us. Your inheritance means something. Your obedience so you can access that means something. Man, I want this building. I want it. But I want it God's way. I want it the way that he's going to bring it. I want everyone in here to be successful, but I want you to want it God's way and not the way that you think it needs to be done. How differently would your life, uh, would you live your life with the understanding that others were dependent on your obedience? How differently would you invest in people if you knew that some of your success depends on their obedience? That's discipleship right there. How differently would you go after people if you knew that some of what you're about to um, inherit is dependent upon their obedience to Christ? (laughs) I'd be in everybody's life. I need to be in everybody's life. Not for the sake of me getting what I need, but for the sake of their peace being important so that we can all benefit. Now, we're going to get into Joshua, too. I just got to say this stuff before we... We jump into this thing, but the disclaimer here is it doesn't mean you go blaming your misfortune on other people. The reason why I'm not successful financially is because this person over here is not obeying Christ. You know, you don't you don't go just pointing the finger at everybody else. So I just got to say that so you guys understand that that's what it's not. But the question is, are you doing your part? Are you doing your part? The, the the statement that was made, your obedience affects more than just you. Are you doing your part this morning? Are you doing your part when you leave here? Are you doing your part at work? Are you doing your part even when you're driving in the car by yourself? You're the only one who, who knows what you guys do in the car by yourself. Me personally, I talk to myself like the whole time. <laughs> If you got one of those little GoPros and put it on the dash and watch me, what I do in the car, wow. You guys would be like, look, preaching on Sunday, buddy, I don't, I don't think that's good for you. But are you just, in, in the small things and the large things, are you doing your part? I just gotta ask that question. That's something you gotta ask yourself. Now here's an example. For me personally, and then for us corporately, what this means. That obviously everybody knows my dad, my mom's sitting right here. Their obedience affects me directly. Rick's obedience affects Megan. People who have kids in here, your obedience affects your kids. Because financially, let me say this. I was going to say that this is a kingdom principle. So if I was to communicate it to you and take God out of the picture, then I could blah, blah. And then I'm like, well, you know what? Kingdom principles, you don't have to say God's name. And the kingdom principle still holds true. No matter what. So 
for the sake of the description, I was going to say, let's not talk. Let's take God out of the picture. No, he's in it all the time, <laughs> whether I like it or not. But let's just say my, my, my mom or my dad isn't obedient to traffic laws. Then they get, you know, something crazy happens. They get sent to jail. <laughs> that affects me. I might have to bail them out financially. Okay. Their obedience in paying their taxes. <laughs> I mean, let's, it, it, it goes down the line. Are you guys catching what I'm saying? What happened if my dad wasn't obedient in something and he was gone for a long time? All of a sudden, I got to take care of my mom. All of a sudden, I have to take care of the mortgage. I don't know if I'm in a place where I'm ready for that. Right? But hey, everything that you do affects the people who you're connected with, the people who the Lord has put in your life. Understand that. Grab a hold of that. Um, our obedience corporately, I'm going I'm to I'm talk about three things real quick. See all these empty seats? We could maybe, and I've talked to the, the management here. They were like, well, you know, based on you guys' attendance, why don't we just set up half the chairs? Because it would probably be easier for them. But no. In conversations with my dad, he said, you know what? We want all of these so that we can see the empty seats. Why? Because it's our responsibility to fill them. If we're obedient in evangelism, this room would be packed. I'm not saying that because there's empty seats, we're not being obedient. <laughs> I'm just saying corporately as a church, you got to understand that what you do outside those walls affects Jesus. Because you come in here and you sit here and you, you claim that this is your home. we got to be obedient to our home. Evangelism is so unbelievably important because it fills these seats. You know what keeps people in the seats? You know what keeps them there? Discipleship. If you're obedient in discipleship, Matthew uh, 28, 19 and 20, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's not like, hey man, whenever you're ready. Could you maybe go do this? It's a command. It's a command to go conquer. That's what keeps people here. You invest in people's lives. Now, the other thing is neighboring. It's a combination of evangelism and discipleship. It's going across your street and just getting in somebody's life and saying, look, I just want to be a part of what you're doing so that I can bring God into that. So God can use me to bring, to, to show whoever that is him and his his heart. See, that's that's the corporate implications of obedience in just those three areas. Now, I don't want to be up here beating you guys down because, hey, you ain't, you're not evangelizing. And look at all these empty seats. I honestly think there's, <laughs> they set up too many this morning. Usually we ask for like 200 seats or something like that. And there's 86 rows right there. But are you guys catching what I'm saying? My goodness. My obedience as a guy who's about to take over, affects you guys. It does. Whew. That's a heavy one. You know, you spend time practicing your message and you say things, and then you get up here and say the same thing and it doesn't hit you the same as when you're standing here saying it. So to be vulnerable, the reason why I'm getting a little emotional is because I'm understanding how important my obedience is for you guys. It's huge. Now I can't even see my paper. Ridiculous. 
All right, so Joshua 2, I want everybody to turn the Bible to Joshua 2. And again, if the Spirit is doing something to you this morning, we're going to have a time where we can respond to that. I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know how it's going to go, but hey, we might just open up the altar. I just want you guys to respond this morning. It may be a response in your seat. maybe a response in your spirit. I'm not going to uh, put a definition or a certain set of criteria on it. Just respond. Just respond this morning. we got to understand some things about Rahab. But first, got to say, Caleb and Joshua's obedience affected Rahab. It wasn't their initial intention, but they were obedient for the sake of obedience, not to specifically gain something. So Rahab's name, if you if you look, uh, it's not said in in here, but she's referred to as Rahab the harlot. Anybody know what a harlot is? It's not a good thing. <laughs> it's a prostitute. It's a woman of promiscuity. Not the greatest thing to have after your name. All right. Now I know everybody in here has got stuff. She was defined by her occupation. She was defined by what she did in the community. There's people who I'm sure were blacksmiths or carpenters or whatever, and their names were Bob the Blacksmith. Okay? It was their name, what came after their name was defined by what they did. Okay, she was she did some things that weren't weren't the greatest and was recognized for that. She's a sinner by nature, separated from Christ and God because of all this stuff. Tarnished, you would assume, because of all those things. She doesn't have the greatest history. Horrible. Now, I want you to take a look at your life. Now, ain't nobody calling you a harlot. All right? I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is what is excuse me, harlot-esque in your life that you let disqualify you from getting Gaining your inheritance. Disqualify you from stepping into what God is asking you to step into. That, oh my goodness, I'm so far gone in this area. I've sinned so much that I just, you know what? It's not worth it. I want to tell that mentality to go back to hell where it came from. Amen? Because it doesn't belong in the mind of people who are Christ's children. You are not defined by your past. You're not. Don't live there, please. I want to encourage you guys this morning. You don't have to live by what you've been through. Live by where God has you and by the promise of where he's going to take you. So the beginning in verse, excuse me, verse 1, yeah, chapter 2. Again, this is the story, the actual story of Caleb going into Jericho, checking stuff out. Verse 1 says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go look over the land. He said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, we don't see here in that verse whether God was like, okay, I need you to go into this house. Don't worry that it's somebody who's a prostitute. What I can say is that up until this point, Caleb has been unbelievably faithful to what God has said in his life. And that regardless of whether it was the house of a prostitute or the house of a man who had a great 401k and 
was, you know, very upstanding citizen in the, in the, it doesn't matter in the society. It doesn't matter. Matter is, is that he was obedient and he just went where God wanted him to go, regardless of what it looked like. Verse two, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, specifically to this woman. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. Now, last week I touched on this because in our obedience and when Christ asks us to do something, sometimes there's legitimate reasons to not do it. Legitimate what seems like earth, I guess they are earthly reasons to not obey Christ. The king of that time, kings in that time, if you look at them wrong, you're done killed gone not like all right fake death wake up the next morning get a second chance none of that you're gone (laughs) so with that being said when when a word comes from the king to you you better pay attention you better listen now rahab doesn't do that it's a legitimate reason for caleb rahab everybody in the story to not obey what what the Lord is asking him to do. But as we read on, we see something that happened to Rahab's heart that could only have happened through Caleb's obedience, Joshua's obedience, and Rahab's obedience. The only thing that can change, the only one who can change a man's heart is Christ himself. So verses 3 through 7 is, you know, I'm going to paraphrase some of this. Read some of it because it's 24 verses. Um, there's kind of a lot in there. There's some other things that I want to want to get at. But from from three to seven, it's Rahab's response to the king, basically saying, "Yeah, they were here, but they left. I'm sorry. You should probably go after them. Um, I don't know which way they went." And then when she was done giving a, an explanation for them being gone. Yet these men being up on the roof where she hit them. In verse 8, we look at what she then says to Caleb and this other man. Verse 8 says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us. So that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Now, who is the you in this statement? The you, the you in these verses are Caleb and Joshua, Joshua's camp. These are the, the people who were um, going into every city and, and laying waste, <laughs> running people over like nobody's business. All because the Lord said, hey, this is what I need you to go do. They went they go, and they did it. They went and they did it. So that's the you in that. Their obedience to God's word created for them a reputation that preceded them. Your obedience, well, I mean, how differently would you walk into a room if you knew your reputation of obedience to the word of God in your life preceded you? Whoa. Man, I wouldn't be afraid of anybody. Not saying that I am, but situations that seem a little bit, mm, they wouldn't be so mm, anymore. Huh. You walk in there just, man, I got the Lord, my God on my, and that would be the first thing that comes to mind. Not your fear, not your anxiety, none of that stuff. But it did one specific thing. 
what I see in these verses. It did one specific thing, and we uh, we got to grab a hold of this one. It moved them. It moved the you in this verse out of the way and gave Rahab a clear view of the throne. See, that's what your obedience does. It moves you out of the way and gives whoever it is that the Lord has graced you enough to influence in your life a clear shot of him. That's that's the whole point. At, at what point is our disobedience blocking people from seeing Christ? That's the other side of the statement. She saw something in what these men did, not because of the men themselves, but because of the God that was behind the act. Does that make sense? Got a couple people. I'm going to say it again. No one can change a man's heart except God. See, verse 11, I don't know if we have it up here. Joshua 2, yeah. These these are our, our, the meat of this entire message this morning. Verses 9, 10, and 11. We just got done reading verse 9. Verse 10, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites of the Jordan, who you whom you completely destroyed. Now she's given... Um, specific events. Alright. But verse 11. This is it. When we heard of it, our hearts melted and everyone's courage failed because of you. And this is, this is it right here. For the Lord your God is God in heaven, above, and on earth, below. Rahab. A prostitute, a woman clearly living in sin, a harlot, a woman with a bad reputation, seemingly so far gone, beyond repair, had her heart changed by God because of Caleb and because of Joshua's obedience. See, that statement in verse 11, you can't make that statement without having your heart changed. You can't say that without really believing that God is who he says he is. And she understood that God was the one who did all of those things through Caleb and Joshua. Now, let me ask you this question. What happens if in the midst of any of Caleb and Joshua's obedience to Christ or the things that he, those two were asked to do by God in that time, what if they didn't do them? Just, hey, you know what? This is too much for me. It's too much killing. All right. Too many cities trying to, I just, I, I just don't want to do all of it. Would this story with Rahab even exist? Would it even be something that we're looking at? Their obedience created a, a story for us in the word to see that, look, they got out of, their obedience got them out of the way and it changed someone's heart. Is God asking you to not only be obedient, but allow that to get you out of the way? So that, that person who you've been praying about, that person who God puts in your life, Almost every single day, you know they're not a believer. They might be a believer. I don't know. Maybe it's something that bothers you about them. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever the case may be, are you in the way or are you not? Are you allowing them to have a, a straight shot to the throne because you're just obe- you're just being obedient? 
or are we trying to put our hands on everything and make it work out the way that we want to work out, want it to work out? We end up messing it up. Now, real quick, turn over to Joshua 7. Here's the other side of the spectrum. Here's what happens when you're not obedient. Again, your obedience affects more than just you. Okay? Joshua 7, some of chapter 6. Okay, what's in chapter 6? Hopefully everyone's familiar with this story. It's when Joshua was asked to march around the city of Jericho. The Lord gave him a lot of stuff to do. This is what you need to do at this time. I need you to have, um, I need the Ark of the Covenant out in front of people. I need you to sound the trumpet at this. There's a lot of just things that Joshua is asking to, uh, God is asking Joshua to do, to be obedient in. On the seventh day, they get up, march around the city seven times, blow the trumpet, walls come down. Paraphrase story. Read it yourself so you can get all the details, right? But real quick, Joshua 6, verse 18, a little bit of verse 17, then verse 18. I'm going to read that. Then I'm going to look at some stuff in Joshua 7. Again, here's the other side of the spectrum. When people in your camp are disobedient, this this instant graphically confirms the truth that God removes his power and his blessing from those who disobey him. (laughs) Ouch. But Joshua 6, verse 17. Um... A little bit before that. Shout for the Lord has given you the city. Verse 17. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared. Because she did, uh, excuse me, because she hid the spies we sent. And then verse 18. This is, this is a command from the Lord. But keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. Now, that's a command right there. That's something that is is explicit in saying, hey, don't do this. Don't do it. The very first verse of chapter 7. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. (laughs) So somebody decided not to adhere to all of that stuff. So kind of uh, the same story and some spies being sent out into a certain area of the promised land to check it out. Um, Pick it up in verse 4. So about 3,000 men went up and they were routed by the men of Ai who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gates as far as the stone quarries and struck them down. Now see this. Uh, this spy that was sent out into this land came back and just said, look, the people in the land, they're not, they're not much. We only need to send 3,000. So verse 4, Joshua sends 3,000 and people actually die. They lose the battle. So in verse, and bear with me here, stay with me. Verse 6, then Joshua tore his clothes and it, it ripped this man apart because he said, Lord, you know, I thought you said that you were on our side. What's going on? Jump on down to verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen 
they have lied. Now, see, I just I use that when I jump over to Joshua seven to communicate to you guys that that's a real life story of, of of someone not doing all of what God asked them to do, and it affected Joshua. People died. That's a real story. People died. What I do affects my leadership. What, you know, Jeff's a part of the leadership. What Jeff does affects the leadership. What Megan does, what um, Julia back there does affects our leadership. People's lives are in the balance. Your obedience affects more than just you. It affects the people that you're connected to. And guys, it's the smallest stuff to the biggest stuff. And I am just as... I, I, I want to throw my hand up and say I, the Lord's holding me almost more accountable than anybody in here. But we're all held accountable. If I'm going to lead people, huh, then I'm the one who's got to be obedient. But I'm asking you guys corporately to step into the obedience that Christ is asking you to step into so we all can benefit. And we're not all taking our legs out from underneath each other. Amen? Now, I apologize. <laughs> that was kind of... All over the place to jump over to Joshua 7. But I just wanted to give you, give you guys a, a picture of the other side of the spectrum of what this looks like. Okay? Oh. Getting old. Okay, I can't say that. Yeah. There's a comment that I made earlier that your obedience still requires Jesus to be in the mix. Now, let's flip back over to Joshua 2. There's a couple of things in here I want us to look at, to walk away from, that speaks to the statement of your obedience affecting more than just you. Let's look at verse 18 in Joshua 2. Now, from Joshua 12 all the way to verse 18, it's, it's Rahab trying to make a deal with these men saying, look, you got to save my household. I've been obedient. Now, there's something that you guys got to do for me. Please. In verse 18, I'm going to read a little bit of verse 17. It says, Then men, the men, excuse me, said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us, verse 18, unless we enter the land. When we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers, and all your family into your house, if anyone, verse 19, if anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. Now, see, she was given some instruction there. All right. Now, Rahab could have indicated where her house was any way she chose. But there was only one way it would be recognized. Now, I got to say this, and I want to say it correctly so that we all grab a hold of this, that the world tells us there are many ways to God. There are many ways to salvation. But the Bible is clear concerning Jesus Christ that salvation is found in no one else. Okay, Rahab was given a little bit of a, hey, this is what you need to do in order to have your entire household spared. Now, in the time where those guys left and Joshua's army came and destroyed Jericho, 
She could have taken it into her own hands that, look, I need to paint a neon sign. I don't know how you would paint a neon sign. But I need to put a neon sign on the front of my household so that everyone knows that, look, don't, don't destroy us, please. Please don't, don't do that or paint it red or, you know, put 38 different flags on top so everyone knows that, hey, skip over this house, please. When we jump in front of the Lord, we mess things up. When we try to keep things for ourselves, we mess things up. When we're not obedient, we mess things up. All she had to do was tie a simple little piece of scarlet rope on her window. Guys, following Christ is so simple. We make it hard. All he asks you to do is be obedient and let the rest take care of itself. Please be obedient this morning. If God is asking you to respond in a certain way, don't try to understand it as much as you step out in faith and let understanding come second. Amen? Now there's a whole nother preaching in whatever that scarlet rope was, the the, the um, symbolism of that. Um, but I just want us to grab a hold of the fact If you leave here with anything, leave here with understanding that your obedience affects more than just you. The rain means nothing unless you've planted a seed. See, Rahab, she was the harvest of the seed of obedience planted by Caleb and Jacob. Unknowingly, they were able to access that situation, that woman's house, the favor in that because of their obedience. Can I get the worship worship team to come back up? Let's get ready for our offering. Ladies and gentlemen, there are people who Christ has put in your life. That even as I say that, maybe their, their face has come to your mind and you're thinking about them. You're in their life for a reason. To influence them, to affect them, but ultimately to get out of the way so that they can see the throne and that their heart will be changed by God. But our obedience in that, it affects more than just us. I want us to leave this place understanding that you're important. You're unbelievably important. I I hope you don't leave here feeling like I beat you over the head. That, hey, you just need to be obedient. No, that's not it. Yield to what God is asking you to do. Just yield. And what I have is going to benefit Jonathan. What Jonathan has is going to benefit Megan. What Megan has is going to benefit Steve-O. We are also unbelievably important. I don't want us to miss that. As a guy who's about to take over, look, I need you. I need y'all praying for me, but I need your obedience in Christ as much as you guys need my obedience in Christ so that we can have standing room only in this place. Don't you, man, don't you guys want that? I don't want to rearrange the seats on the Titanic. I want new believers in here. I can't do that all by myself. I know the Lord's asking me to be the, the head of that. 
But it's only going to happen through the Holy Spirit. What you do affects your kids. What you do affects your wife. It affects your husband. Your intimate relationship with Christ allows you to hear what he's telling you so that you can plant a seed. You plant it correctly and then watch him make it grow. And then guess what? You get to reap the harvest in that. What I love about this entire story, Rahab's inheritance, if you turn over to Matthew chapter 1, it's the genealogy of Jesus. Everyone who is in the line of Christ, guess what? Rahab's name is in that. (laughs) She was obedient, man. She was, if we look at her life, she was so far gone. You're not so far gone. If we look at her life, she'd been through so many things that were self-inflicted. Let's just say that. Caleb and Joshua's obedience allowed for her to see the throne of God. And that changed her heart. And her inheritance was to be a part of the genealogy of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. He cares about you just as much. I want that inheritance for us. Whatever that connection is, the genealogy of Jesus for us in our lives, that's the inheritance I want for this church and for each one of you guys individually. That's not only going to bless you, but it's going to bless us. So let's just pray real quick. Heavenly Father, Lord, through your word, you show us what it means and the implications and how much we can be blessed and how much we can bless others, Lord, just by being obedient. Sorry. Just by being obedient. And, Lord, if there's something in our lives that you're screaming at us saying, look, I need your heart in this area. I need your whole heart, period. Lord, if there's if there's an area that you're convicting us in, God, I pray that you would turn up the heat on that. Lord, I just pray that you would uh, bless the offering as we we pass the plate. Uh, You can go ahead and do that. But, Lord, uh, I I pray for there to be a response to that. And what we're going to do is just open up this altar, God. And if there's something that you want to deal with us on, we invite the Holy Spirit in to deal with us on it. Lord, we want to walk out of here being an obedient body. A biblically literate body who sees stories in the word that show us that, hey, obedience is important. It's not optional. You do give us free will, but Heavenly Father, when we choose you, (laughs) the result of that is, is unbelievable. It's limitless because you're limitless. So, Lord, I just pray for a time of response here that you would, you would, uh, You would deal with our hearts, Lord, in issues where we haven't been obedient and you want us to be obedient. You want us to yield. So let's sing this song. If you feel like the Lord's asking you to come up and just just respond, this, this altar's open. Spend some time in front of him.